Today in our weekly live we will talk about inclusion, autism and inclusion. Uh, we have Jennifer uh, who has uh, um, a program in her school that is very successful so I'm looking forward to hearing about it and here she is and of course we have Jen who's going to join us so let's see I can't see you ladies joining <laughs> um, let's see that's it um. <laughs> hello 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 welcome I was fast. Yes, we're waiting for you to start. <laughs> Good. I like that. <laughs> as soon as I connected, everybody joined. Yay. That's working. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jen. <laughs> hi, hi, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How exciting! Such an exciting topic and so important, isn't it? So, over to you ladies. I'll just move a little bit from the camera because I have a huge head in here. I know. <laughs> I just oh, came yeah. out of the pool, so my hair is a little bit wet, but I think I'm yeah. just... <laughs> you look, summer you time, gorge. Eh? So... <laughs> All right, well, why don't we start with introductions. Um, today's a special live because we have one very special guest because she's so full of information. I wanted to be able to focus on all of our content on what she has to share with us. So um, maybe Bella and I, why don't we do our brief introductions and then we'll move it over to Jennifer. So go ahead, yeah. Bella. Tell us Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't know me, my name is Bella, and I help autistic children um, reach any goals they want to with the help of musical games. Let's call it this way, short one. Okay. And you do a lot of virtual teaching with the little kids, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, and I'm Jen Slayton. I also do virtual. <laughs> we all do these days. I'm a psychotherapist and coach, and I specialize in autism. And um, I also do a support group that is for, currently it's for late diagnosed autistic women. And I can expand to other, more interest there is, I can expand it to more gender inclusive groups. So um, that's me. And Jennifer, tell us about you. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Jennifer Geigel, and I'm from Canada, um, near the capital, uh, near Ottawa, Canada. And um, I'm a special education teacher here in Ontario. 
and I teach children with autism. I've been teaching children with autism for the last nine years. It's going to be my 10th year this September. Um, and I've been teaching for 23 years. Um, so it's quite, uh, it, it's quite fun. All of the children with autism that I got to meet throughout the years. Um, I also had a business called Connecting Pieces where I worked with families and children with autism. And now I started a, a kind of a new um, business for consulting for teenagers and young adults um, with autism, helping them find um, income, helping them find jobs, but not necessarily ordinary jobs, uh, but streams of income that they could do like on their own at home even. Um, so I've been very uh, creative at finding, um, you know, people, not just autism, people with special needs or, or just different disabilities. Um, I've been helping them find, um, find their way to make a little bit of extra income for themselves. So that's been really rewarding. And that's just new um, because my own daughter is 16 years old. She's going on 17 next month. Um, and she's wanting, you know, to create income. And that's how I got so interested in finding help for her and creating opportunities for her. And by doing that, I was able to get some clients that were like, help me too. So I've been doing that as well. So it's been so, um, so rewarding and so fun. And I love speaking about autism. And my daughter and I are looking for opportunities to, to speak. And we've done a few little online conferences. Um, but hopefully soon we can get into more um, in-person conferences as well. So that's a little bit about me. That's fantastic. And um, I've heard you speak about how you help um, teens find jobs or young adults. And if anybody is interested at this point, and you may have other resources, but I watched you have a live um, interview that you did. Um, and we could post that in the chat if people or you could DM us to find that link. Um, because you really go into detail and it's just amazing and it's so creative and um, what age like you said young adults like what ages do you work with anybody who's wanting to I think you have to go with um, you know that person's uh, interests like if if a you know if, if a young teen that's <laughs> that's 14 or 15 years old if they want to start looking for income you know sometimes they they're just looking to make a little bit of extra um, you know money to buy a few things buy some treats or whatever you know it starts that way and um, and, and into adulthood so like even right now one of my clients is um, an adult um, and she dyslexic and she never thought that she could do some of the things that she's doing you know so depending on their needs I really go with what they're looking for what their needs are and um, and that so yeah it's been it's been very very rewarding and I think that's my my next path I believe is, is to continue I think so I, know. I really when really enjoy it you spoke about it on clubhouse with us and everybody was like full of questions and I want to talk to you and so <laughs> 
it's been so fun. And, you know, if we go back to the subject of inclusion, that that's another thing, you know, like inclusion in schools, but also in the workplace. There's so much inclusion that can be done in the workplace. Right. Um, I know that could be a whole other, a whole other live. We could talk about inclusion in the workplace. Um, but I know we want to get back to inclusion um, in, in schools. But, um, and, and uh, you know, that's the thing when, when you asked uh, if I would participate, I was like, yes, because we have such a great program here in my school board. And, um, and if it's okay, I'll talk about it a little bit, how we, we do that. And um, it, it's yeah, just and fantastic. I just, I just want to point out, yeah. as we talk about this, to keep in mind, as we listen to you about how this can influence kids as they grow and, and into the workplace. So it really is this whole continuum that starts in school. So um, yeah, please tell us about how it works in your school. Yes, and absolutely, you're right, because these children that grow up having people with disabilities, no matter the disability, right? Like it could be someone in a wheelchair, it could be a person with autism, whatever it is. You know, being um, raised with these people, having them included in the classroom, having them there, with you all the time makes those children turn into accepting teenagers. Um, then it'll be accepting adults, people that will include people naturally because they're just used to it and they're not afraid, they're not scared. Because that's what happens a lot of time is it's that um, we're always afraid of the unknown. And when people don't know something, um, they, they, get, they get afraid. And, and sometimes it's not coming from a bad place. Sometimes it's not coming from, um, you know, these people are not necessarily bad, but they won't include the person with a disability only because they don't know what to do. And they're so scared to do something wrong that they rather not do anything at all. Mm -hmm. And that to me is where the education needs to step in and teach children about, um, you know, these wonderful uh, people who are, are right there with us and to not be afraid to include them and not be afraid to ask questions, you know, and to see how they can support them instead of just ignoring them saying, Oh, I'm just too scared. I'll say something wrong. So I'd rather not talk to them at all. Well, that's no good. You know, so, that's right. Um, right. Exactly. The other thing too, if I can add is <clears throat> bullying also comes from fear and the unknown. And so if children understand differences and how to interact a lot of times the bullying goes away too absolutely and we've seen that many many times with our students so I'll talk to you a little bit about how our program and this is not like I didn't invent this program this is a program from my school board but maybe it'll inspire you you know maybe it'll maybe mm -hmm. somebody will say wow you know maybe I should implement this at, at my school maybe somebody can you know um talk about it and because it's it's such an awesome, um, just the, the whole system is just perfect. So how it works is it's, it's an inclusion program. Now, it's really not just inclusion where we take the child with autism and just put them in the class with no support. That, that's not what we're doing. So we are, you know, including that child. Um, and I really want to say inclusion because sometimes people will say, oh, you know, my child is integrated, but this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about full inclusion. So they are in full inclusion. They are part of the classroom. They are like any other student. So if there's 25 students in the class, 
they are one of those 25, nothing extraordinary there. So they are in the regular classroom. What's extraordinary is that there's a team of people. So in my school, it is myself, I'm the resource teacher, and I have two EAs, so two educational assistants. So we are three adults for six children, okay? So in the school where I'm at, the students are between the ages, they're between the grades, grade three to grade six. So we have grade three students, grade four, grade five, grade six. Now, they are in their classrooms, these students. I have six students all in, in, like, all in their own classroom. I will go into the classroom. I will go look. I will go observe. I will even go help other kids. You know, I'm there. I'm watching what's happening. I'm making sure that, you know, the child with autism is being included. I'm making sure that he's doing okay with his academics, if it's mathematics or whatever it is. And... I, I go around and I help everybody. And I also team teach with the other teacher, with the homeroom regular teacher. So she's teaching. I circulate. I go and help the kids. And I'm always watching. I'm always watching that one child with autism make sure everything's okay. Now, that's my job. If the child, let's say, is really struggling with something and needs extra help, I can take him and bring him to another classroom and work with that child. I, I can do that. Most of the time, I just do it in the classroom. I just work right there. And I can even take a few other kids and say, okay, you know, I'll take you two and you and let's all do it together, you know? So he doesn't feel like he's being, you know, removed. Like it's like, oh, you you have special needs so we need to remove you from the classroom not necessarily i can do it right there with everybody else um the other thing is that there's these eas these educational assistants that are also going around so imagine us like little bumblebees we're going from one class to the other we're looking around we're checking if anybody needs any help and then when we feel that a child needs more help, we will stay there with that child. But if, that, if everything's going well, we'll just move on to the next class and we'll go look there. Now, we have six classes and we have three adults. So it really, it's really a good combination. Um, the EAs are there, um, especially for doing like social skills work. They'll do, um, they'll even, you know, just help for routine. If a child needs like a visual schedule, if a child needs extra reinforcement, um, you know, so they're there to, if they see a need, for example, I had one of my students who was struggling with the morning routine, um, you know, because in the morning they had to take out their math book. They had to do a math problem but then they had to put the book at a certain place. They had to do a different, it was too much. They didn't understand. So my EA created a little schedule that was just tape, scotch taped on his desk with all of the, you know, the schedule there. So he could, you know, view that. And then we made a little reinforcement, a little system for him that every time if we came in and he was doing what was written on his desk, that he would get it was just a check mark. And once he had, you know, so many check marks, I think it was three check marks. So in the week, if he did at least three, he would get a reward at the end of the week. So that was one reward, but we have a whole bunch of different systems going. Um, but the thing is, is that the child feels like I'm okay. There's always somebody who's going to come and check up on me. I'm safe, but I'm included. I'm with the others. Um, and the other thing is that at any time, 
if these students feel overwhelmed, if it's too noisy, if they do want like an out, they can just tell their teacher that they're, they're just coming. Now I call it the Lego class because we have lots of Lego all over and I put, you know, Lego, um, uh, Lego decorations and everything. Cause I don't want to say it's the autism class or it's the special needs class or I just, I made it just fun and I called it the Lego class. So we say, so the, the child can just say to his teacher, oh, I need to go to the Lego class. And then the teacher knows where he's at and he goes into the classroom. And one of us is usually in there and, um, and then he can come and have a break. We have a whole system for the breaks as well. And it's just so amazing because it's like we call it a home base. So there is a home base in the school for those students, but they are included in the regular classroom. They can come to us if they need help and, um, you know, and we're always there for them. Like I said, we're little bumblebees. I love the little busy bee. Exactly. We're little bumblebees going around. I do my 10,000 steps in a day, no problem. So I just move around and I go and check up on all of my students to make sure that they're okay. And that is the most fantastic way of doing it. Um, can I because ask you a question? Yes, if you have absolutely. a child who can't keep up with the academic for whatever reason, if it's processing, if it's understanding, are they still included in that? Like in math, let's say they're really struggling to keep up. How would you address something like that? Okay, so if that that was the case for one of my students where he was really he was modified in math because he's about three grades below in math. So what we did is with the teacher, we made up a little schedule that when she was explaining um, the new math problems or wherever they were in math so at the beginning of the math period he would come with me because we didn't want to confuse him um, because, you know, they were doing like division and he was still at like addition, you know what I mean? So we didn't want to confuse him. So at that time she would send him to see me. She would say, okay, you know, and that was just at the beginning. After a while, he just knew, you know, when the math class started, he just got up and he came to see me. Okay. So that was, it was clear in the schedule. And she always did math at the same time so that that would make it very simple for the child. Um, so that's, so that's that time, when you would do like a pull out is if there was a real learning discrepancy in a certain subject. Yeah, but not for the whole <laughs> period and not all the time. Right. Um, for example, if they were doing geometry and he could really participate, then I would go with him and participate. And it's always the, the goal. The number one goal is for me to go in there and then help him so that he can stay there with his peers as much as possible. Now, if it's something like she's teaching something new and we know that that's just going to stress him out more than anything, because if he's not quite there yet, then he can have little periods where you're going to go for 20 minutes and then I work with him on something that needs to be worked on. And then he comes back. And what I did for him as well, and this is something that's easily doable in a classroom, is I prepared a little workbook for him of things that he already knows how to do. And when the students are working on their um, you know, work, and if I don't have time to take him, the teacher will just say, you work in your red binder, and he knows, and he'll just take out his red binder and he'll work on his thing, because he knows that he can do those things. So that's very 
like he feels very secure in that he knows that he can accomplish it because that's really difficult when you have a child that's modified and he's in the regular classroom um he sometimes feels that he's not up to par right he's not doing as well as everybody else but by having his own work he, 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 you know, he sees all of the other students working and he's working. So it doesn't really show that he's working on something different. Nobody really notices. And he just feels like he's doing something that he's able to do. And that's really important. And we always do an 80, 20, right? 80% of things that he already knows how to do and only 20, 20% mm -hmm. of new things. So that's, that's, and that's in everything, right? Like, um, regardless if you're talking about you know, ordering a meal on the phone, or if you're um, talking about math, you never want to have more than 20% of new things because it's like, it's like me. If all of a sudden you guys started speaking a different language that I didn't know, I would be very discouraged, right? So it's the same thing. And that's what I compare it to when I'm doing like a conference or something. And I say, you can't be just telling them all new information all the time, because they're going to they're going to just block their ears and stop listening. Right. And I think that's really important to know that there should always be 80% of things that a child already knows. And that makes you feel, because let's say if once in a while you were speaking a different language, but 80% of the time you were speaking English, then I would feel confident enough to stay, right? But if you right. guys all started speaking a different language all the time, I would want to leave. I would say, okay, well, I'm going to leave. Right. So it's right. the same thing with with children, de depending on, you know, no matter what the subject matter is, if they don't understand what you're saying, you're going to lose them very, very quickly. So it needs to be things that they're familiar with. And that's and then really go from helpful. There. That's really helpful because I know a lot of well, some autistic kids do if it's something new, their anxiety goes up. And so that's really a, a brilliant way to help them with their anxiety too and not overwhelm. Um, yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna teach something new, a really good way is to mix it in with things that they already know. Um, so, you know, if you do have like um it, like again, depending, like I'm trying to find a concrete example, but you know, like if you if you have um like here's an example so when we, I was teaching this child multiplication well I had let's say a bunch of addition and then um let's say if I did four plus four and then I had a bunch right like I had a whole bunch eight plus two ten plus two whatever a whole bunch four plus four two plus two and then I would go two times four right underneath the four plus four so you know, and then I would even maybe like circle them together and say, well, this is kind of the same thing, right? So I'm kind of adding that um, extra, almost like a, a little hint of saying, well, your four plus four in your two times four, it's, it means the same, you know? So I would start maybe with that, pairing them together, right? Till they, and then you would have a lot of things that they can manipulate, um, some cubes. Um, if I was teaching that, I would have little bowls and little cubes or little, you know, tokens. Mm -hmm. And then they could separate the tokens with um, in the different bowls. And, and even that example, because I know I'm, I'm going on about this example, but because it's, it's really dear to me, because he learned how to do multiplication with these bowls. But I actually, when I would write it down, I would say, for example, um, let's say two times four, the two, I would kind of put it in a half circle. That was the bowl. So two bowls of four. 
So to him, that made so much sense. So sometimes it's also looking for little um, hints and that you can give them, little yeah. visuals. Yeah. And, then, and then again, once he knows how to do that, you start removing them, but removing that 20% of the time. So I would keep some in, but I, and, and I put some without right. the hints to see. And then he would start getting that. And slowly you remove those, those hints. And he's able today to do that multiplication, but it took a while, but you know right. what, he got it. And there was no, um, uh, you know, it was, it was not difficult. It just took a longer time. That's what I keep telling them. I said, it's not, it's not because it's difficult for you. It's just going to take you longer. That's all. And that's okay. You know, right. not everybody can, you know, can, can ride their bike the first time either. So you have to practice. Um, right. So that's a good lesson for all of us, right? <laughs> that sometimes things take longer. And how, how do you address the kind of the mainstream population? If they are uncomfortable, if a student's having a meltdown, like, how do you work with the other kids? Well, that's a really good question. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, so one of the things that we do, when I got into this position the first time, when I got there, it's one of the things that I changed. So this was a bit my idea. Because um, when I got there, I felt that our classroom was a little bit of a mystery. People were like, who's in there? What are they doing in there? <laughs> you know? And um, I said, hmm, I need to demystify this room. I need to make it um, a place where the kids want to come. That was my first, um, uh, my first goal. So, and again, because my theme was the Lego class, I started doing these Lego challenges at lunch. So this was one of my... Wow. brilliant ideas that I had is that I and remember these children are you know eight to twelve like they're grade three to grade um six so um so they're into lego and stuff right so I said okay I said you know what you guys are going to invite two friends each well the first time it was one friend each and then we, we went to two times two friends each but anyways so at first it was one friend each you invite one friend each and we're going to come into the classroom at lunch. We're going to eat together. And I put a little movie um, on while they're eating. And when they're done eating, then we get to play Lego. We do a little Lego challenge. They're put into teams and they get to build something. Well, all of a sudden, that first time, I took some pictures. We put the, the pieces that they had built. We put them out in the hallway and stuff like that. And then the kids were like, when did this happen? I want to do it, right? And, um, and then the, so slowly every Wednesday, it was Wednesday during lunch, every Wednesday they'd invite a friend. And at one point everybody wanted to come. So I told them, okay, invite two friends. So I started inviting two friends. Well, my classroom was the very cool place to be. And everybody wanted to come and do the Lego challenge. And I think that really, really helped with, um, with how the other students perceived um, you know, the autistic community, because they were like, no, these kids are cool. They're going into this class. We're doing all this fun stuff. We're getting treats. We're doing things where, you know, it's so much fun. And especially in the winter here in Canada, when it gets like, you know, very, very cold and it's like, you know, freezing, um, they wanted to stay inside at recess so that they could play with the Legos instead. And it was such a, 
it was such a great project that it changed after a while um it, you know instead of playing lego we started doing crafts we started doing um activities in the gym so it evolved with the time um but the kids really wanted that child to pick them so it was like pick me pick me i want to go with you now of course the child that's being a bully or the child that's not being very nice is not going to get chosen because those children are going to choose their friends. Now, this is what we found happened. Slowly what we found is the kids started wanting the children with autism to be part of their group. They were like, oh, we're picking teams for, you know, math or whatever. You want to be in my team? Oh, we're doing a science experiment. We got to be in teams of four. Do you want to be in my team? Now they started inviting them because they wanted to be invited too for the, you know, for the, all the games during lunch. So that was a really brilliant idea. And guys, if you, you know, if you have a child with, you know, special needs or a child with a disability that isn't being included, give that idea to the school. Say, could you do something exciting, you know, with my child where he gets to pick some friends to come with him? And you know what? It made the biggest difference. Even some of the parents were like, I, I can't even believe they were like, thank you so much for doing this because my child has never been invited to a birthday party in his life. And now he's being invited to birthday parties. Oh. Now he's being invited. So of course I'm crying, you know, and I'm like, Whoa. but because they develop real bonds, right? It's not just to get invited, but they get to know each other. And yeah, absolutely. And it started that way, right? It started because they wanted to get invited. But once they saw that these children were just like other children and they were like, oh my gosh, you know, these, these kids are cool. These kids are fun. And they started. And the other thing that it created is that when they came to my classroom, they didn't only see the autistic child from their classroom. They saw the other autistic children because that's something else that I hadn't thought of is that when you're in your little world of that classroom, you don't necessarily know everybody in the school, right? Like think of a child who's in grade three. Well, the grade three student does not know the grade six students, you know? So when they get into the classroom and they're like, oh, you have autism and you have autism and you have autism. Oh, so it's not that rare. Oh, so it's actually pretty cool. Oh, it's not just him. And when they started saying these words, like these were words out of the kid's mouth. Oh, there's another kid with autism. And I was like, yes, all of these kids have autism. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And I was like, yes, it is cool. Isn't it cool? And when we started having that discussion with them is that we realized, well, having them all together with their friends it also makes them feel, look, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person with autism. All these other kids have autism too. And that made them very proud to say that. Wow. Especially what we found was the little kids, the, the grade three kids, they would point to the grade six kids and say, you see her, she has autism too. Mm -hmm. And then the grade six kid would say, yeah, I do. And then it was like, oh, you know, you're my hero. <laughs> and oh my that, God. That whole, it was just awesome. And then we had 
the big kid with autism holding the hand of the little kid with autism and helping that kid. And I was like, this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. I'm going to so cry. We, it, it is. <laughs> Jen, you don't even know how many times I cried. I would be in the class. So there's, so we're always the three of us. So there's myself and, my, and the two EAs and we had this group of students. So it would vary between 12 to 18 kids, depending if we let them bring one or two kids. And they would come to our classroom and do these activities. Well, sometimes the things that they would say would just, us adults would look at each other and we'd be like, <laughs> like oh my gosh, my heart is going to break. Like it was so, it was so amazing because the things that were being said, I should like, you just, I should have wrote, wrote them down, you know, just the things. Yeah. Um, it was so beautiful and so innocent because this is the thing. Those little kids don't know. They don't know. And I found that that's where the education and just the ability to say the words, I have autism. My friend has autism. And not cringing and not being scared of saying it because it became a vocabulary. It became... Um, something that so there's no shame about it. This just it just no. is what it is. Yeah. And that's what I kept telling them. I said, Look, I have glasses, you don't have glasses. Is it embarrassing for me that I have glasses? No. You have autism. My mother has diabetes, you know. We all have something. And my Whatever. daughter has autism, right? You can tell them <laughs> you know, it's not you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's who we are and you're allowed to talk about it because I think that even as a community, people did not know that we were allowed to talk about it. Is it hush-hush? Mm. Are we allowed to say something? You know, he has autism. Shh, don't talk about I that. Parents, I talk to parents like that. They're, they're not sure when their child gets diagnosed and they're a little older. Should I tell them? Are they going to feel bad? Uh, so that's still very real. And I, I just wanted to cut in real quick because Bella, we had a question come in. So I don't want to lose that. Oh, yes, yes. Go ahead. Did you see the question, Bella? I did. And it was the autistic lottery asking, how do you do this when they haven't made actual friends yet? Do you help them connect in this? Um, and she thinks your program is brilliant, which I agree. <laughs> it's not my program, unfortunately. Now, the, the Lego Challenge Club at lunchtime was my idea. That's mine. But the whole program is from the school board, so I can't own that. But, um, yeah, for sure, that's, that's one of the things. So the EAs go out at lunch and go out uh, during recess with the children. So they're outside and they're helping them. So here's a really good tip. Um, if your child does not have any friends yet, ag again, these are children, guys, okay? So sometimes it's very difficult, especially when they're very little. You know, you can't necessarily be, uh, you know, if you're talking about a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, it's really hard to, um, you know, to tell the other kids, well, you have to play with this kid. You know, it, it's, it's very difficult. So one of the tips that we do is the EA will bring something fun outside to play with. For example, hula hoops or um, maybe some bubbles, um, depending on the age of the child. If it's an older child, maybe a football or something. And, um, and then she'll, she'll participate. And that's really important when they're younger is that adult participation. There needs to be somebody there that's going to um, 
to be the, you know, the glue, because sometimes children, they'll start kind of interacting and then they'll, they'll dissipate, right? So that adult will be there to make sure that the kids stay in that activity a bit longer. Um, so yeah, so, you know, bringing something fun outside, um, just an example, one of our students, um, you know, grade six, having a hard time making friends. Well, he loved Pokemon. Well, let's take out some Pokemon cards. Let's go and talk about Pokemon. A few of the other kids would just kind of, you know, come in, what are you guys doing with these cards, you know? And then, oh, do you know, what's your favorite Pokemon? Start a discussion, you know, and then and then you try to kind of back up and let the kids talk. But at first, you really need to be there to ask the questions and, you know, because they're all shy and awkward. And, you know, so you have to be like, you know, there to help them interact. But slowly, what was happening is that once that adult would um, initiate it and, and be there slowly, you know, after a couple of days of, of doing that, then you kind of give the pack of Pokemon cards to that child and say, okay, you know, you go outside and then she can just watch from afar and, and those same kids will kind of come, you know, and then, and then what's really good about that is he's attracting people with similar interests. So people that are not interested in Pokemon will not attract to him. And that's fine. Not everybody has the same interest. But the kids who are interested are, you know, they're like little flies. They come and check it out because he has the Pokemon cards. And then they start talking. And she can make sure that it's... So not that that's a friendship necessarily at first, but it will develop into a friendship eventually. You know, you got to give it some some time. Um, and the other thing is that a lot of times the parents will ask me, and that's something that everybody, you know, ask the teachers, who does my child um, play with at school? Or even if it's not play with, who does he seem attracted to? Does he, you know, if they, if there's teams during like class, does he gravitate towards a certain child? Is there a child that um, goes and gets him? Is there a child that really um, includes him in the game? Maybe it's not his best friend, but is there somebody that seems to be, you know, more attracted to your child or seems to be cooperating well with him? Ask the teachers because they are seeing this. They are observing. So, and then when you know that, ask the teacher, can you ask that, that child's mom? Can you, or mom or dad, you know, can you ask that child's parents? if I can get their number or can you give them my number? Can we, can we, can we, you know, um, get in touch? So ask the teacher to be that liaison if you want like to, in, because once you can find the one child um, that will be able to maybe come over to your house and play, maybe meet at a park with the, you know, the parents so that you can meet them, um, you know, initiate, some home-based play as well, not just at school, because that is really the magic. And I say it to parents all the time. Once your child has a friend that he's playing with at home, it's going to be easier for him to play with that child at school as well. So that solidifies that bond. Because and sometimes don't you have to, like, just like you were describing on the playground, the parent has to kind of help Yes. Their child play with the friend, yeah. Definitely at first. And and uh, the, the thing that I always suggest is to have, 
a an activity planned um not just say do you want to come over and hang out because little kids don't know how to hang out and even big kids um i mean my daughter you know she's almost 17 and if i just say you know does your friend want to come and hang out like she's like well what are we going to do you know so it's not clear for her um so i will have an activity planned out and also limit the time. They're not going to be able to play for three hours, you know, like maybe limit that time. So I will say, for example, um, well, you know, let's invite your friend. We're going to go for ice cream. And then after we're going to whatever, you know, then we're going to come home and we're going to play um, this video game that you like. And maybe we can play this board game that you like. You know, I'll name out two or three mm -hmm. things that'll be done. And then for her, it's clear. So for Emily, it's clear. But for the other friend, it's clear too. So that it's not like, you want to come over and hang out? It's, do you want to come over and play Roblox? And then we're going to play a card game. And we're going to go for ice cream. You know, so that way, for both parties, it is very clear and concise. Um, you know, I remember when she was little, I used to say, you know, like to even the parents of, of the, the other little kids, I would say, you know, does your, you know, does your child want to come over? We're going to be making um, homemade pizzas um, for, for dinner. And then we're going to watch a little movie or something, you know? So the parents knew exactly what was happening. The children knew it was happening. They know what to expect. And I think that really helped for Emily's anxiety, you know, to That's know fantastic. exactly what. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The autistic brain, right? They need to know because there's already social anxiety. So if there's no structure, um, Laura has another comment there too. Bella's our reader today. <laughs> uh, I think um, Laura is talking about her son. Uh, she says he is 13 and has so much trouble to make and maintain friends. He's going to a special education high school next school year so i hope this will work um there thank you for this tip uh this is so great <laughs> and then borain says autistic set time so yeah I like the clear <laughs> expectations and the clear time time frame mm. Yeah, those are wonderful ideas. The other thing that was occurring to me is I think a lot of autistic kids learn to mask, right? Especially if they have maybe overt stims and all of that and they're taught, you know, hands down, don't do that. And that can add a lot of stress. So how do you deal with that at your school? Well, it's not, like, I have to say, honestly, it hasn't been that big of a concern at our school, um, especially that the kids are so used to having them there and to seeing that stimming behavior. Um, I've had, I've had children in complete, um, oh boy, in, in, you know, I don't want to say a meltdown, but it pretty much was, they were having such a hard time, they were screaming and everything. And the other children hardly, Charles <laughs> hardly even looked at them. Um, so they're, I have to say that the the inclusion had the inclusion has made such a big difference where you know what those children are are kind of used to it and we we teach them that's another thing is that we have to stop always thinking that you know the the people with autism have to like you know uh, you know figure out how to how to live within you know amongst us 
but we have to, you know, also learn how to, to live with them. So, um, so we actually teach that. So we will teach, um, you know, okay, you know, if this child and we'll do it. And this is where, you know, if that child is, let's say with me, or if the child is doing something else, sometimes I'll go in or the EA will go in and do a little bit of teaching to the other children and say, you know what? Yes, this child hand flaps. And this is why he hand flaps. This is why he's doing it. Um, it's, it's just like people who bite their nails or people who maybe, you know, like I'm doing this with my hair. Or it's just some kind of a little thing that makes him feel good. And we're not going to make a big deal of it. And, you know, so we, we explain it to them. And you know what? Kids are so much better than adults than doing that. I have to say that the children, they're so, they listen, they're so attentive and um, they respond so much better because we'll have adults, um, like even supply teachers, <laughs> God bless them. But sometimes like, it's so funny because, um, but it's funny, but it's not funny. But let's say if, if, you know, the child is having a hard time and sometimes the supply teachers are freaking out, you know, they're like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, calm down, you know? Um, but even the other kids, they're not even, you know, they're not nervous at all. They're just doing their thing and they continue but working. I think the, the thing is, is that you say something about it, right? You talk about it. You don't, because I think that's something like you were saying before, is there shame about this? Do we tell the other kids? How do we? And it sounds to me like it's just very open and it's just a fact. And this is what they do. And I just, it just warms my heart because I hear from so many adults that felt like they had to mask and hide all that and the amount of stress and even trauma that that can cause to try to fit in to something that doesn't work for their brain. So I just, I just love that. I, I, and do you also have to educate the other teachers? Do you think Did that happen? Well, right now, as new teachers come in, yes, we do. Um, right now, the teachers are, are pretty much the same teachers that's been for a few years, but we do. Um, and especially, like, I mean, the, the kids, right, go into a new grade. So I will meet at the beginning of the school year, like, uh, the day before school starts is like a PD day where, you know, we, we go in. So I will meet with all of the teachers, make sure they're aware of anything that they should be aware of. You know, this child maybe has verbal stimming stuff like that like the the teachers are made aware um but everybody is so um accepting that it's not it, it it's never been a big deal so they don't really um you know there, there's nothing much but I do the minute I see a supply teacher I usually go and talk to them and introduce myself and make sure they're aware what um, is a supply teacher we don't call them that here oh, what's oh, a, a sub a substitute Oh, okay. Oh, sub. Okay. Yeah, we. I call him a supply teacher, a, a, a substitute teacher. Yeah. Right. Um. So a substitute teacher will be like, um. You know, sometimes they will get a little bit nervous, um, knowing that there's a child with autism. So I will make sure to tell them if there's anything, you can come and get me. I'm right here. You can, or even tell a student to come and get me. They know where I am. Um, and I will make sure that I introduce myself and, and things like that. And, and those are the days that will, will be extra in that classroom, you know, to make sure. Right. Um, and depending, we know our students, some of them are more problematic than others with a substitute teacher where they might, you know, it might be more yeah. difficult for them. So we, 
you know, we gauge it and we, um, we we're like, it, it's, it's such a nice, like, it just kind of works beautifully, um, how everything works out. Um, and, and the students are so great for each other too. Like, I mean, even, um, like, you know, amongst themselves. So we usually do like a check-in in the morning where they come in, they tell us about how their evening was, if they if any issues they want to talk to us about, um, you know, anything at all. And we always say, you know, they can talk about positive things or negative things. We're, we're here to listen, you know, because sometimes, um, even sometimes teachers will be like, you know, I don't want to hear about something that went wrong, you know, only positive thoughts. Right. It's like, but sometimes they don't, they need to talk about, you know, the fight they had with their yes. brother in the morning or, or whatever. So, so we're mm -hmm. there for them in the morning, make sure everybody is top notch and if they're not top notch we'll take the time to talk to them we'll take the time to um you know to to really listen to their issues and um and if you know the ones that are all like happy and ready to go they can just go into their classrooms those who want to talk to us about something um they can stay so that's our check-in in the morning and in the afternoon before they leave for home, we do a check out and every child has to say something, a positive that happened in the day. So that is something else that we make sure because a lot of times the kids will focus on something bad that happened. So for example, you know, I don't know, you know, they, I don't know, they, they, they didn't do a goal um, playing hockey at, in gym class okay so they might be like upset about that but some of them will hold on to that all day and they'll be like you know this is the worst day of my life you know? <laughs> and then so at the end of the day we want to make sure that they leave on a positive note so um we, we have these little books for them and we write something in the morning and something in the afternoon something good that happened and something that they didn't like something good that happened and something that they didn't like. Now, sometimes they don't have anything that they didn't like, but they have that opportunity to say it. And we want them to see that it's not all negative. So yes, maybe something bad happened. Maybe you spilt your juice all over the place. That happens to everybody. But let's try to not focus on that. Let's try to focus on positive. So we'll still write it down. I'm not, because mm -hmm. I want them to know that I'm listening. So we'll say, okay, Yes, you did not like when your juice spilled in your, you know, on your desk. That's, that was unfortunate. We cleaned it up. Everything's good. But what else, what happened that was positive? Oh, your friend gave you a new juice. Well, how fantastic. So you can write, you know, oh, my friend gave me a juice. I have a really good friend that was able to, you know, share a juice with me. Now that's much more, you know, enthusiastic than saying I spilled a juice. So, you know, so we write both. And then, so that way the parents, when they get home, um, when that, you know, you always ask the question, what did you do at school, whatever. So I tell the parents, stop asking them what they did at school. Cause they're always going to answer nothing or you know, right. start saying, what's one thing that was positive today. That's a really Wonderful. good thing to say. What's a positive thing that happened today. Now, since they have that book, they can go and choose something from their book. Right. Cause sometimes they get home and they forgot. So then they can say, you know, because some of them, let's say they're at a babysitter after school, maybe they're not going home straight. So, you know, sometimes it's been hours. Um, so they can go back to their book and say, right, mm -hmm. my friend gave me a juice. And she'll be like, oh, my gosh, that's so nice of them. We should write a thank you card or whatever, you know. And then it, it brings that joy back home that it was something good that happened during the day. That's so, we so great because a lot of 
autistic kids, and of course not all of them, but have trouble with that kind of recall. Like they can't bring it up even if they wanted to. And so you're bridging that connection. So that's yeah, beautiful. and they have a hard time telling their parents what happened during the right. day. And that's usually, so when, when the parents were telling me that, or when the children will just say, this was the worst day of my life. You know? And then the parents are like, what, what happened? And it's like, you know, well, I spilt my juice at lunch. Well, okay, well, that's not necessarily going to ruin your whole day. But the thing is, is that sometimes they'll hold on to that. And that's mm -hmm. why I tell them, I say, you know what, I want you to hold on to something positive. And, you know, yes, there are little things like that that happen. And I get it. It's, it's annoying. It's, it's, you know, I hate it when it happens to me. And it is very frustrating. But let's focus on something else. So I try to, you know, to get them to, to focus on that. And the parents have loved that. And when I started doing that, at first, it was just going to be like maybe a few weeks just to change things around because I, I was feeling my students were very negative. And I said, okay, we need to do something. So I just kind of changed it around for a bit and said, let's do this, you know. And they got into it. And it's so fun because they'll come up to us and be like, Oh, Madame Jennifer, write in my book, write in my book. I did a goal or I uh, write in my book, um, oh. you know, whatever, you know, um, this happened or, oh, write in my book. I got an A in math or, you know, so they'll come and they'll tell me what to write in their book. So that's so fun. Um, and the older kids, the one from grade six, they can write in their own book, you know, and depending on the child, some of them will just write in their own book and I'll say, come and write it yourself, you know, and they'll write it. And I'm trying to bring them to that and and then I said well at one point I was like okay well they're good now I can remove the books and they were so disappointed they were like oh Aww. well we wanted the books and I said okay we can continue with the book so we can it's just a, I just took a little duo tang you know with some line it's just some sheets of paper and they just would write what they loved about their day I and, love the parents, that. I and love it's so that. simple but the parents said you know what, Jennifer, that's one of the best things because she'll come home from school or he'll come home from school and be like, guess what, mom, I, I did this, you know, and she's like, well, that's such a ray of sunshine because it used to be the opposite, right, where he'd come in and say, this was the stupidest day ever, you know, <laughs> so it's, it, it just changed the narrative to finding something positive and and I, anyway, so I, we kept it. So that's another little tip for you guys is Fantastic. get your children to tell you one positive thing during the day. And that really had, works. We're going to need to wrap up soon. And yes. I want to <laughs> have valid comment, but I just have one quick question. So when we're talking about STEM, so if kids have vocal stems or making some noise. Is the classroom, they get used to it so they can just kind of tune it out and it doesn't cause a disruption. It doesn't cause a disruption. Um, usually, it like it depends. Um, we we do try sometimes to redirect if it's getting too intense. Like we will, you know, um, in a respectful way, we'll try to redirect that. I mean, obviously, if it's affecting, like you know, his ability to do something. Um, but generally speaking, if I I found in my experience, if we just let it, you know, let it go, just just ignore it we just kind of just accept it as it is it'll it'll just stop like it doesn't last forever because I think there's like a need it's like it's like anything it's like I'm thirsty I'm gonna drink and once I drink well now I'm not thirsty anymore so it's kind of like that and you see Bella's drinking <laughs> as I said it but I think that's the thing and I think as 
as we say, if we keep saying, stop doing that, stop doing that, it's almost counterproductive because I know even as myself, I bite my nails. I, I, you know, I'm a nail biter. And when I was young, every time my mom would say, stop biting your nails, it made me want to do it more. Right. And I think that that's not the way to go at all. And we don't, we won't tell people stop that, you know, never, never, never. Um, we just let, we just kind of let them go in through class. They, they just get them. used to it. So it's kind of like white noise in a way, like it doesn't disrupt the class. It doesn't No, And, and I think because nobody is giving it attention, nobody is going, because I think if people would be saying, Oh, what is he doing? Oh, stop that. I think they would just make it last longer and make it worse. So by just ignoring it and everybody just continues what they're doing, it actually doesn't last long. Like I don't have any students that will stim very long because they, they go through the motions that they need to go through and then it's done. And um, having everybody on our side for that and everybody reacting the same way, that's something really important because um, if everybody's reacting um, just you know, they, they continue right. doing what they're doing. They're just not really paying attention to it. Um, I think that just, you know, it, it's not, it's not doing anything. Like it's not adding attention. Um, and that, you know, it's not adding anything. So, right, so the right. child will just go through what they need to go through and right. it just stops there. So it hasn't affected the classroom at all. Um, so sometimes parents might need to advocate with teachers if, that's the complaint while well, your child's making too much noise or whatever. Um, sometimes parents have to educate the school on the teachers and stuff. Yeah. And, and depending on what it is, cause I know that one, we had a, we had um, a student that her, her thing was asking so many questions all the time and it was getting very disruptive. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much a STEM, but it was something she was doing that was very disruptive in class is she would ask a question and ask a question, ask a question, <laughs> but it was, you know, so we would, we would find little tricks. Like for example, um, you know, during each period, you're only allowed to ask five questions, you know, and then we would kind of check mark them and, you mm -hmm. know, stuff like that because, and, and that's something that it's so individualized that you can right. maybe get some help or, or figuring out what kind of system works. Or if a child really needs, like I have one of my students who needs to jump. Um, well, when he needs to jump, there's two systems. So he can either go to the back of the class because he's sitting at the front of the class. So if he starts jumping at the front of the class, it can be very disruptive, especially if the teacher is teaching. So he'll go to the back of the class and there's a special spot for him. So the teacher just put you know one of those puzzle pieces that's like foam like a foam you know mm -hmm. like those foam mats that right. kind of interlock so it's like an interlocking thing so there's like I think four little interlock so it's like a bit you know it's kind of like spongy so he can jump on that and he knows exactly where he can jump so he'll go and jump now if that's not a possibility for some reason, he can always come to my class and jump or even go in the hallway. So he has a few options, but they made him a jumping mat. Basically, this is your mat. This is where you jump. So the kids don't even, you know, mind because he'll go to the back of the room. He'll do his jumping and he'll jump maybe like 20 times and he's done. And then he'll go back to his seat and sit. So it's not like... Um, it's not disruptive, you know, because we made a plan. If he were to be jumping next to the teacher that's teaching, then it would be, it would be disruptive. But 
he's not being disruptive. He goes to the back, he jumps. Right, that's so fantastic. And I just was thinking about this inclusion and diversity and how this would impact, or it will impact our society as these kids grow up and have this accepting, you know, attitude about each other. I just, I'm absolutely. So and we see it all of all of the students at our school are so well liked from everybody and not just, you know, people, the, the, the students are not just tolerating them, the, the students really want to be with them, the students want them to be there. Um, it's just amazing. You know, we oh. they have real friendships, and it's been building you know, from grade three all the way to grade six. So I can see the grade six students, they have their friends, they have their little circle, they're very well accepted within that circle. And the other, I mean, that's like anybody, they don't have to have 50 friends, right? They have their little circle of friends, they're doing amazing. But the other the other kids are very nice to them as well, you know, it, it, but they found a circle of, of good friends. And that's what I find is, is just amazing. They have people who are very nice to them, people that are very respectful of them. And and then they have their really good friends that want right. to be with them right. all the time. Right. So it's just beautiful. this beautiful community that we've created. Yeah. So Bella, squeeze in here. <laughs> Doing a lot of talking. You're Got out there to squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer said it all, so. <laughs> well, don't go with that. <laughs> now, I can understand if everybody's on board, you know, um, in a school, I can understand how the system, uh, why the system is successful. And obviously, you're doing such... Um, a great thing for all of those children, not only just the autistic children, um, because allowing somebody to be who they are or is just going to develop into adults who are confident, who will try new things, who will be understanding, and if themselves will have a neurodivergent child, you know, if they are neurotypical and they will have a neurodivergent child, they will have a lot they will be in a lot of better place than, uh, you know, some other parents who just witnessed it at the age of three, four, five, six, seven in their lives. So, yeah, well done, you. <laughs> I know, when I was in school, I remember that in high school, we had the special ed class on the third floor. Never saw them until graduation. Oh, my gosh. I see these kids, yeah, yeah, it was awful, so just amazing well I want to thank you so much this was um, I'm gonna to listen to this again <laughs> I just think these tips are so beneficial and I just wish you could be cloned all over the world because <laughs> the other thing that's amazing is that you the way you problem-solve you know you see an issue and then you come up with a really creative positive solution so um, I think that's one of your superpowers <laughs> thank you and that's that's one of the things that you know that I do like I've been consulting with families forever like um at least 
the least last 15 years that I've been helping parents find solutions, even for at home, you know? Um, so yeah, anybody who, who wants to, you know, connect with me, send me a message and, uh, and we can chat. And I'm also, um, I always, I don't think you guys can have access to it, but people from Canada and the U S have access to this app. It's called the owl app. And, um, you can actually, it's the what app? owl, O W W L L. And it's only Canada, US right now, but um, it, it's basically um, professionals that get onto an app and people can pay to call you on the app. So I have mindset for like a call, a 10 minute call is like $3. <laughs> so um, it's just, it's just so people want to call me. Um, but if you are from the US or Canada, uh, don't hesitate, get the OWL app and come and check me out because Fantastic. you can, you know, yeah, they can call and they can, um, and make, you know, just, just chat with me because sometimes you just need a, a sounding board or, you know, somebody to, to hear you out and maybe find some ideas. And my head is exploding with ideas as you can, as you can <laughs> see, it's not what's lacking. Um, so I, I could go on, like, I still have got so many things I could say. So we, we could definitely do another, another uh, live just about that. So yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. And, um, I know this this time you're on summer break, so you're able to come to talk yes. with us. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. I'm a, I apologize for talking and talking and talking, but no, <laughs> I absolutely. get so I get so into it because this is my subject of choice. I just love it. Um, I could go on forever. So this is why if anybody yeah. needs me as like, you know, to, to talk at a conference or something, hit me up. I, I want to talk about it on stage. Um, I just love it. I just love it so oh, much. Fantastic. It's the best. Yes. And don't <laughs> apologize for talking so much. I was joking, but um, no, you're in, just these pearls of wisdom just flow out of your mouth. So. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much bella for having me on on your um on your live <laughs> of course it's been such a pleasure <laughs> very enlightening. <All> right. <laughs> well we're gonna have um next week we have a couple of parents joining us and then we will be taking a little summer break so we will see you all next week hopefully yes awesome i'll be listening okay bye, bye, -bye everybody <laughs> Bye. Bye, Bye. Jen. Bye. Bye.